Welcome to the Storyseller Podcast, where each week we meet interesting characters called archetypes who will help us stay inspired and grow our business. My name is Gibran Nicholas. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and CEO of Momentify, a company that provides daily insight and resources to thousands of business and financial professionals. Today we're going to meet the magician. The magician is the archetype that creates simple solutions to seemingly complex problems. For example, if you're trying to build a personal or business brand using the magician archetype, you could focus on how your product or service is super innovative and how you're using cutting edge technology to solve real world problems. Brands that come to mind when I think of the magician archetype are brands like Tesla or Google, perhaps even more recently, ChatGPT. There's been a lot of talk lately about artificial intelligence or AI. It almost seems like magic. It could be good magic or bad magic, depending on how you feel about it all. That sort of reminds me of human intelligence. It could be good or it could be bad, depending on how it's used. So while everyone else is focused on magicians who are creating artificial intelligence, I want to talk to you today about how to be a magician and use human intelligence to make life better for yourself and your team. Specifically, how can we better understand the magic behind what motivates us as human beings and what causes us to take action? Because if we can understand that magic formula, we'll not only understand ourselves better, but we can start to get more buy-in when we pitch our ideas to others. For example, Duke University researchers have indicated that over 40% of our day-to-day activities are habits. That means that nearly half of everything we do every day is automated. It just sort of magically happens. It's kind of like there's this magic switch in our brains that automates what we do. If we can figure out the details behind that magic switch, we can take back control of almost half our life that may currently seem like it's out of our control. While artificial intelligence may have the ability to make our lives easier, we already have within our own minds a magic switch that's existed for thousands of years. It's called the power of habit. We just need to understand how that magic switch works. How do habits work? One of my favorite books is called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. In it, the author illustrates how habit loops are comprised of three things, a trigger, a response, and a reward. That's the magic switch. For example, we smell the tantalizing aroma of fresh coffee in the morning. That's what triggers the switch. We pour ourselves a cup. That's our response and how we flip the switch. We enjoy our freshly brewed cup of coffee. That's our reward or what happens when we flip the switch. That sort of thing happens over and over throughout the day, 365 days out of the year for our entire life. That's why almost half our life is spent doing activities that are habits. We get triggered to flip the magic switch, then we flip it, then we get rewarded for flipping it. So the best way to control the magic switch and regain control of our life is to unveil the details behind how that magic works. One of the exercises I found most useful in my career and my clients have implemented this successfully as well is something that I call the activity tracker. The activity tracker works like this. You set your timer to go off every 30 minutes from the time you wake up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night. Then each time the timer goes off, you write down with a pen and paper what you were doing for the previous 30 minutes. If you do this for three full days, you'll be able to look at that notebook or paper and examine what exactly triggered you. You'll see in black and white on the paper how you responded to those triggers. You can't improve the way you spend your time unless you first understand how you're spending your time. The activity tracker allows you to do that. 
It's a lot of work for three days, but I guarantee you that it's worthwhile. That's because you're investing three days of hard work to get back control of your entire life. You're delving into the details behind the magic trick of each habit loop in your life. Then you're deciding if you want to keep using that switch in its current form or not. It's your life. You deserve to be in control of it. So once you figure out which habit loops are causing you the most stress, you can start to figure out how to set boundaries on them or swap out your responses to them. For example, let's say you feel like you're drowning in email. Let's examine that feeling for a minute. You probably feel that way because your email inbox is flooded with emails. So when you look at your inbox, that's the trigger. The routine is that you start feeling overwhelmed or guilty if you don't respond right away. So how about we try something different? Whenever you see an email in your inbox, how about we insert a new routine into that habit loop? Instead of responding to every email or feeling guilty if you don't, ask yourself this question whenever you see an email. Does this email need my immediate attention right now? If yes, and if it's an emergency, then by all means answer it or give it your attention. But I'm confident that most emails in your inbox are not emergencies, meaning that they're not life and death situations. So if the email is not a life and death situation, then ask yourself the next question. When does this email need my attention or a reply? You'll find three likely answers, by sometime tomorrow, by the end of this week, or never. So once you answer that question, you can drag the email into the folder where it belongs, into a folder that says tomorrow, end of week, or never. For example, I have two folders in my Outlook that I use religiously. One is called my to-do folder. Those are the emails that need a response or that need me to do something within a week. I flag the items in that folder that need my attention no later than tomorrow. Everything else can wait a few days and get done sometime later in the week. That's how my to-do folder works. I also have another Outlook folder called Reading List. Those are items that probably don't need a response, but that I'd like to come back and reference at some point because something in the email is interesting to me. So if an email needs a response right now, I'll respond to it. If it needs a response tomorrow, I'll flag it and put it in my to-do folder. If it needs a response sometime later this week, I won't flag it, but I'll still put it in my to-do folder so I can go back and take care of it at some point. If an email doesn't need a response, but I'd like to look at it or reference it later on, I'll put it in my reading list folder. So my habit loop when it comes to emails is really the same as yours and everyone else's. I get triggered whenever I see emails in my inbox. The only difference is the routine that happens when we get triggered. We can either let the emails clutter our inbox and make us feel guilty when we don't respond right away, or we can control our emails and put them in folders so that we can stop feeling so overwhelmed. You can use the folders in Outlook or Gmail or wherever you manage your emails to help create boundaries and systems that work for you. That's an example of how you can use a habit loop to completely change the results of your day-to-day -day life. You delve into the details of how each habit loop in your life is working, and you decide whether to keep it working that way or not. For example, what if you can take this approach with every habit loop that's stressing you out? What if you track your activities and figure out that there are three or four things that consistently trigger you throughout the day and cause you stress? You can then create boundaries around those things and swap out a new routine whenever you get triggered. This can apply to things that trigger you or even people that trigger you. For example, 
What if you get stressed out every time you interact with a certain person in your personal or professional life? Instead of feeling like you must interact with that person every time they trigger you to interact, change the way you respond when they trigger you. Perhaps you can be unavailable except for certain periods of time during the day or during the week. Perhaps you can set boundaries on only communicating with them via email or only responding to them every other day or on a different cadence that makes more sense for you. I can't tell you enough how completely life-changing this concept can be for you. You can apply it to your personal and professional relationships. You can apply it to the way you interact with your team. You can apply it to what you personally do throughout the day, every day. I give you some more details about this in chapter four of my book so you can easily create a magic formula for yourself and for every person on your team. For example, my team and I went through this exercise recently. We discovered that we were spending almost 80% of our time and energy on clients and initiatives that made less than a 20% impact in our business. We decided to reorganize the way we were spending our time so that we could flip things around. Now we're spending 80% of our time on the clients and initiatives that are going to create tremendous growth for our business. We're less stressed out and we're more focused on the things that will actually drive our business forward. That's how we're using the magician archetype in our business. But wait, there's more. How can you use the magician archetype to get more buy-in for your ideas in the context of a conversation, for example, with a client or teammate? Well, step one is to recognize the client or teammate who fits the magician archetype when you see them. A magician client or teammate is very methodical, detail-oriented, and thorough. They like to find clues and insights that are not readily discoverable. They pride themselves in their attention to detail. They're often skeptical when you propose a solution or an idea that doesn't seem practical to them. So what's the best way to win their support? Well, I found that it's useful not to try and use big picture thinking or talk in visionary terms when you're dealing with detail-oriented people. Instead, talk about specifics and show them what's going on behind the scenes. Show them how you've thought through the idea step by step. In order to do that, I'd recommend that you outline specifically each potential objection they may have or each potential question they may ask you. Then prepare yourself with crystal clear answers to those questions and objections. This shows that you've done the homework and that you've thought through each step of the magic trick that you're expecting them to pull off. Now, if they're expecting you to pull off a magic trick of sorts, try to enlist them in the process. Show them the details behind what it would take for you to give them what they're asking for. For example, what if someone on your team asks you for a pay raise? Or what if they want a new piece of equipment or a new expensive piece of software to help them do their job better? You could delve into the details of what it would take to get them what they're asking for so that you can enroll them in the process of getting it done. This way, you don't have to feel the pressure of trying to perform magic all on your own. You can get them to perform the magic with you so that together you can achieve the results that you both want. So to recap, whenever you're dealing with a very detail-oriented person, step one, recognize and applaud the magician archetype. They're probably a magician archetype in this moment. That's the frame of mind that the other person is in right now. Step two, outline the specific steps that are required to pull off the magic trick. You could set expectations that it's not as simple as it seems and you can outline the specific things they can do on their end to make the magic happen. When you take that approach, you can enlist the other person in the process of creating the magic formula with you instead of feeling like you have to do it all on your own. This reduces your stress level and makes it more feasible for you to achieve the results that you're looking for. 
So thanks for listening and let's go make some sales. P.S. If you haven't checked out my new book yet, it's called The Storyteller Adventures, How to Grow an Epic Business and Find More Meaning in Your Work. It's a modern allegory and step-by-step guide to story selling. You can get the book for yourself, your team, or your friends at Amazon or any other online bookstore. I also created a free daily email called The Story Seller Daily. You can get daily inspiration, story selling tips, and leadership insights delivered to your email inbox each day. Simply visit thestoryseller.com to sign up. Thank you.